Hi, this is John Nelson. This is Jimmy Maurer. Hi, I'm Andre Zanoda, and you're listening to the Dallas Soccer Show. Welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker News. We're your guides to the roller coaster that is FC Dallas fandom. We just passed our fifth year of doing the show, making us the longest running FC Dallas focused podcast in your app today. I'm Dustin Nation, and in this episode, we'll discuss the midweek loss to New York City and the 1 1 draw against Austin in the match that turned out to be the, the Copa Tejas final. Uh, with me tonight, is one of the founding founding journalists of the Striker covering Austin FC. He's also one third of the Striker MLS podcast. It's Chris Bills. Howdy, Chris. What's up, Dustin? Thanks for so thanks so much for having me. And uh, I'll try not to put too much Verde on on the on this show, but uh, it's I, I'm happy to talk and and uh, really supportive and grateful for what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, it adds something to our site that uh, you know I've loved I've loved the coverage and. Loved having you know some additional FC Dallas stuff uh, to, to pump out to the the readers and the listeners. Well, thanks, Chris. Uh, I mean, it's I was thinking about about um, the other guys are weren't available this week. I was thinking about who to bring on. I was like, you know what, Chris was at this game. He sat he sat a couple couple uh, chairs down from me. Let's let's talk about it. let's have a conversation. Uh, let's do it. So, so yeah, uh, before we get to the Austin match, there it was a midweek match against New York City FC. Uh, and we'll we'll cover that very briefly, just there's a, for obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> uh, both teams entered the match uh, with pretty depleted lineups. Um, FC Dallas uh, lined up in a four four two, which is kind of unique for for FC Dallas. But I think once you hear who all was starting, you'll kind of understand what was going on in this match. Uh, from was Hara and Ferreira uh, in the midfield was Velasco, Serio, Sabalong, and Obrian. And then the back line of Munjoma, Martinez, Tafari, and Nanu. So, <laughs> um, not your not your normal starters. Uh, in fact, pretty much the bench started that match, uh, minus Ferreira, Velasco, and maybe Martinez. So, um, take take. I think that 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 roster really kind of just speaks to that game and what you should ex- should have expected from that game. Um, and FC Dallas. Uh, the, Ends up losing that match one nil. Uh, Heber Heber uh, scored a, a goal in the 29th off of a kind of a, a long ball that dropped in between some FC Dallas players and uh, calamities ensued and the ball ends up in the back of the net. Um, and that was the difference. FC Dallas loses that one 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 nil. Uh, starters trickled in in the you know in the waning minutes of the game, but they really weren't able to get anything going. Um, and you know, it was one of those matches. Chris, did you did you catch that match? I saw I saw the highlights and definitely read Jonathan Check's recap of it. And uh, you know, I mean, it looks like Dallas had what it says. Jonathan had in his recap that they had uh, twelve shots and thirty two crosses. So, like, I mean, definitely not like a astounding offensive display, but it's not like they were just sitting back and taking it from from New York City for the whole game. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, they definitely had a, a game plan of getting those crosses in, um, and you know, right. New, New York City pretty vulnerable to the cross on the season. But doing that, 
means that you have to have people that can get crosses in and then get on the end of crosses and then put them in the back of the net. And that just didn't happen. It's one of those games, um, thinking about it in hindsight, like if you, if you look at that lineup and you get a win with that lineup, you're ecstatic. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. Being like, wow, we just stole one. Um, but then if you lose with that lineup, it's not really a big deal. I don't think in hindsight, it's kind of like you knew what you're getting. Yeah. And it's New, it's New York city, which is obviously, you know, defending MLS cup champion and, uh, you know, you're competing for those, you know, Western conference playoff spots. So, you know, maybe a chance to, to gain a little bit of ground, but it's not like it was a six pointer or anything like that. So certainly understandable, especially midweek ahead of a, you know, what amounted to, uh, you know, a couple of chaos final, it makes sense that you would, you would choose to rotate during the midweek net match. And so, yeah, I don't think too much to be upset about there. If you're an FC Dallas fan, at least from my outside perspective. I think from the, the closer perspective as well, it's, it is what it is. Um, it is. What's unfortunate is that it's six straight games, or now, now seven straight. We'll get into that, but six straight games without a win, right? That, yeah. That's that's the more disappointing part. Absolutely. Like you're you you've got Fortress Frisco. You've you're known for pulling out wins at home over the years, um, and you're just not able to pull it over the line um, since May. So um, it's 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 a long time since a win. But um, speaking of wins, uh, FC Dallas needed a win in the match against Austin. The Copa Tejas finally ended up being the final because um, Austin and Houston played the weekend prior. Right. And like the result of that match. How did how did it? Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, basically the fact that that, uh, Dallas got a draw in Houston meant that Houston was eliminated. Houston needed to win out, needed some help. And so uh, Houston could have played, played spoiler a bit in Austin on Tuesday, um, that midweek match, and, and Austin won that 3-1. So Austin came in on uh, five five points. No, Austin came in on seven points, I'm sorry. Austin came in on seven points, and uh, Dallas had, had five. So a win would have taken Dallas to eight, as it turns out. Uh, the draw got Austin to eight, and, and they were able to to hoist the trophy. Uh, which we can get into that part if you want to, Dustin. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I heard there's some interesting stuff. I've kind of followed along on Twitter. We'll get into that after. Let's let's just go for those who uh, are tuning in, didn't get a chance to catch the match or need a refresher. Let's just kind of go quickly through the match. Um, it was actually quite a bit of a shaky, nervy start for FC Dallas. Um, right off the right off the draw, there's um, yeah. Austin had a lot of pressure and FC Dallas kept making mistakes that come trying to play out of the back. And I'm surprised they didn't concede there, but um, once, once, once they got under the game a little bit underneath their belt, they kind of grew into the game and, and really, I mean, if you look at a lot of the stats, they really kind of dominated that first half. Um, yeah. They, I mean, I think coming out of the match, I kind of felt like it was, it was an even match, and it was it was well poised. I thought, I thought FC Dallas definitely deserved the goal in the first half, and maybe maybe deserved two. Um, you know, I talked about that a little bit. It was weird that like you know right off the kick, Maxi Ruti had that chance for for Austin, didn't pull the trigger. Um, you know, ball got kind of stuck under his feet. Um, Austin had a couple other opportunities like that where they had the ball 
in the final third and just didn't make much of it. But, you know, Dallas did take their take their opportunities when they got them. They hit the post twice, I think, in the, the sixth or seventh minute. Uh, and then, of course, the, the goal on the counterattack, which I think is becoming, you know, really the, the hallmark, the, uh, you know, just what this team is. The, the ability to, to counter and to, to hurt teams on the break is certainly a weakness of, of Austin's, maybe a little bit more, less so than last year, but it's been an Achilles heel. Like every time they play FC Dallas, it seems like FC Dallas makes something on the counter, uh, counterattack. And, and that's what, that's what they did on, on several occasions. They just happened to convert one. Yeah, the one they converted was uh, Velasco. He played a ball, like a through ball on the outside left of, of Ferreira. Ferreira kind of got the ball. Some interplay between Ferreira and Velasco uh, going into the box, and then they found a, a trailing uh, Ariola who who put it home for the opener. Um, yeah, it, there was a that's lot just of just a terrifying. That's a terrifying trio for any yes. for any center back duo, and you're stuck when you're the only two. Are the only one back, and you see those three running at you. It's uh, <laughs> you're scrambling at that point. Yeah, if you combine that with some of the the through balls that Cervania was dropping uh, mm. in that first half, um, it is a it is a scary prospect. And and FC Dallas were, I mean, unlucky or however you want to put it. Like they just they weren't clinical. Um, really did not um, capitalize on their chances, and that's kind of like. I guess one of the themes for for that first half um, for the for FC Dallas. I think the other theme is really how well they limited Austin's chances, not just in that first half, but also well into the second half. Like up until that, up until the equalizer in the 79th minute, yeah. I think Austin had something like 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.4 expected goals. So not yeah. not many chances allowed in, uh, for for Austin. Yeah, I don't know if it was partially to do with the heat, but I also think that, yeah, just FC Dallas, I think, was the better team for long stretches uh, of this one. Uh, and, you know, I thought I was really impressed. And, you know, we can get into a little bit, uh, you know, bigger picture. But, you know, just for this match alone and, you know, goes back, I think, I think it was sort of, to me, it was just an extension of the match between these two at Q2 Stadium. It was, uh, you know, back and forth. Uh, maybe the match in Austin was a little bit higher level. Again, maybe the Heat having something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just the fact that their both teams were coming off of midweek, uh, you know, had something to do with that. But um, you know, just the the count the the punch counter punch of FC Dallas against Austin uh, this season makes me really hungry for for a playoff game between these two. I think it would be oh, I think it'd be incredible. That's that's what I'm you know I'm I'm really kind of got my I'm not sure Austin fans agree with me, uh, but but I got my fingers crossed for an FC Dallas Austin playoff game. I think it'd be really fun. It would be very entertaining. Um, that's I mean, you know, FC Dallas, you know, obviously disappointed to not have have more from these games. But if you just look at these games on a whole, uh, both of the ones against Austin, very very entertaining to watch and kind of um, just be be a witness to, right? So. Yeah, and just the tactical components too, like uh, the the way that both teams like to like to go after it. You know, FC Dallas so good in the press. Um, you know, Austin FC so dogged in, in playing out of the back, and uh, you know can get caught in some moments. But Nico Estevez against Josh Wolf, who you know maybe we should mention Josh Wolf wasn't wasn't in the building for this one. It was Davey Arnault pulling the strings, and and you know Josh Wolf tested. Uh, you know, was put into health and safety protocols, which is sort of MLS's code word for, you know, sounds like he COVID. tested positive for, for COVID, uh, 
you know, and they found out day of. So sometime around lunchtime, they found out that Josh wasn't going to be able to make the, the trip up I-35. And, uh, you know, Davey Arnaud, uh, took, took the helm and it sounds like Wolf was it, was it in communication, but still, you know, these coaching staffs, you know, the fact that, you know, I actually, you know, witnessed, uh, Nico Estevez and Davey Arnaud talking in the hallway long after, uh, you know, final whistle. And, uh, you know, there's just a closeness there between these two clubs that, um, you know, I think that it's almost more familial uh, to me this rivalry than uh, certainly certainly more more of a family aspect than uh, you know Austin against Houston and I know that there's a you know a long-standing hated you know hate between between Dallas and, and Houston as well so to me and maybe it's just because you know Dustin you know, to peek behind the curtain a little bit but you know Dustin was up there in the press box my brother was also there uh, Michael you know he he's a Dallas resident and uh he's been to a couple of these helping produce some stuff for the striker so um to me it's kind of it's fun that i get to go up there and spend some time with my brother and find kind of fits right into my my uh season schedule and and so it always feels a little less of, of a heated rivalry t- to me but you know i certainly in the stands there's no love lost yeah a little less of an edge than than some of the matches but um you know we can get into i think i want to get into well, there's enough. nobody you want to be there's nobody you want to beat more than your brother, right? That's, that's true. That's, that's the, a good point. That... <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mentioned kind of uh, doggedly playing it out of the back on the FC or Austin FC side. Uh, ironically, that's kind of how FC Dallas got in trouble on this match. Um, and then went ended up yeah. getting their, their goal. Uh, Nanu and Surya were trying to kind of work it up the side and just, carelessly gave it away and then austin was very very clinical their passes were crisp right into the box and they got got it to fagundes who uh kind of like i don't know is like he kind of shot it over the shoulder of, of pass and and that's that's how it ended yeah he's he's had a few of those now that right-footed curler for, for diego fagundes he actually had one last year at toyota stadium from a little bit farther out that was just a clinical clinical finish and um, but also the subs for Austin FC, I think made a big difference. Owen Wolf came in for Ethan Finley and he's the one who created that turnover. Felipe Martins came in, um, I think for, for Danny Pereira. And, and he also, uh, you know, was, had the secondary assist, the hockey assist to, you know, shuttle the ball along to Sebastian Drusi. And then Drusi's just clinical on, at the top of the box. Uh, if you, anytime, you allow the ball to get to Drew at a one-on-one at the top of the box, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, like you said, they just didn't have numbers because they were trying to attack and all of a sudden you get caught going the other way. And, uh, if number seven gets the ball in that situation, it's, it's going to be a tough prospect similar to, uh, you know, again, how, how FC Dallas scored is, you know, you get the best players, um, you know, best attacking players, you know, even if it's just a one-on-one, and, you know, against MLS defenders, usually you favor the attackers, especially when they're all-stars. Yeah. There were three all-stars in this game. Jesus Ferreira and Paul Ariola. And uh, Sebastian Drusi will be their first ever all-star from, nice. from Austin FC. Yeah. I, I don't know how much you paid attention to kind of what FC Dallas was doing defensively. Uh, I was thinking, I was looking at... Um, kind of the like what what was it about that made FC Dallas's defensive um organization so so good during that match prior to the goal uh and i think they've kind of found this interesting um dynamic where they're playing um you know Cervania or Insabalong next to 
the true six. So they've kind of been like doing double sixes and putting two, putting an extra man in front of the back line. And it seems to really be shoring up what's, what's a um, really, you know, kind of un, unassured back line uh, at times this season. Well, I think, yeah, I think that was big because I think what, what, what ended up happening was they were able to take Sebastian Jersey almost entirely out of this match for long stretches, maybe, maybe longer than, than I've seen. And especially certainly within the last like couple months when Sebastian Jersey's on the field, you, you normally know it and you, you kind of didn't for long stretches of this match. And I think the way that they did that was to, you know, to have one of the center backs or one of those sixes tracking him at all times knowing where he was, handing him off if, if he did leave the area because he likes to move around and get on the ball in different areas. Um, and then cutting out and, and not allowing Danny Pereira to, to do his normal line-breaking line dribbling. That combined with, I think, Julio Cascante and, and Ruben Gabrielson had to be uh, – they spent a lot more time chasing and, and being, you know, having to be the last men back for a counterattack than they did being able to assist in the, in, in the attack for Austin FC. And that's, you know, when Austin gets going, it's normally because the center backs are, are playing line cutting passes or, uh, you know, Danny Pereira is able to kind of unlock things with off the dribble. And neither of those things were really happening. It was just sort of stagnant. And uh, Sebastian Drusi was not, was not, wasn't really involved. So I thought it was a really, you know, really good defensive game plan and well executed for, by FC Dallas for, for long stretches. It just, you know, those, those last, 10, 20 minutes were a little bit hairy. Weren't yeah. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the, the summary here and like the amount, the time I wrote down, it started to feel like things were kind of like starting to turn. It was right around the time they brought in the three substitutions off the bench four, four in the, in like the span of seven minutes. Um, when they brought in Tafara, they brought in Hara, they brought in, uh, took off Cervania and put in Surio. Uh, and then Oberon as well. Like that, that's the point where I kind of felt like Austin's really started to kind of really get a foothold and be like, I mean, if you look at the expected goals and like the, the charts and stuff, it wasn't like a, a statistical dominance at the, after that point or anything, it just kind of felt like, okay, there's something coming in, in this match. There's something, there's going to be something else after that. Yeah. And yeah, that's sort of the way Austin matches, especially matches on the road, have gone this year. This team just does not quit. They they sort of and Davy Arnada actually there was a video that came out uh, on Tuesday as we're talking a video like sort of the the story of the match and they showed Davy Arnada talking at halftime to the Austin FC players and you know it was like we've been here before we've been down and and just raised the level a little bit and I think that's still what FC Dallas certainly in this in this seven game stretch. I think they're still learning how to do that. They can play at a high level and then, you know, they can, they can take it to teams, but can they step up, you know, in those crucial moments, can they raise their level to, to really be a team that's going to be a tough out in the playoffs. And maybe this is where, you know, I can sort of share my take on FC Dallas, which is that I think they're a damn good team, Dustin. I think that, <laughs> you know, to me, FC Dallas is one of the, one of the three, four best teams I've seen this season. I just, maybe it's just because they step it up against Austin. You know, maybe I'm missing something. You know, maybe they just need that extra center back piece. We talked to Dan, to Dan Hunt before the game. I don't know if you saw that interview at all, but uh, I, you know, I was able to catch up with him. It's on the the striker, um, you know, YouTube and, and Twitter feed. And one of the things I asked him was, you know, it, 
with all this movement that's happening, you know, even within Texas with Vector Air coming in with uh, Austin getting, you know, closing out on potentially adding, adding another DP and Emiliano Ragoni. Uh, what's FC Dallas doing to get better? And, you know, he said that they've got one senior roster spot and they're looking to fill it. So, um, you know, keep, <laughs> keep an eye out. Uh, it's probably going to be somebody domestic because he said they don't have really any international spots to play with. But uh, to me, you know, look around the league, find a domestic center back that you can plug in. I think that's where maybe FC Dallas should be looking. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I I said in our last episode, you know, if I were going to fill one spot, it would be, it would be that it would be somewhere along the spine uh, and some bring somebody in. Um, You know, to be honest though, like I would take anybody from the back line. Uh, are the the fullbacks um, aren't necessarily? Mm. Um, I wouldn't say. I think, I think Tyler Kern said that they were they were not MLS starting caliber. <laughs> um, Interesting. And maybe maybe that's harsh, but, but maybe, Farfan, maybe it's Farfan true. Farfan, yes. Has he, he kind of dropped? Okay. Farfan, yeah. yes, but he's injured. But if you go past that, it's um, Tomasi, who's hit or miss. He has yeah. really, really. I mean, I mean, we've we've seen his upside, but his downside's not, uh, not super reassuring. Nanu, um, I don't know what to make of him. Like, I don't necessarily want to see him on the field again, <laughs> as a fan, right? <laughs> um, but you know, I think, I think anywhere back there is going to be good. I think Farfan, once he comes back from his, uh, um, his uh, concussion protocol, will will like he's been really good. Um, but other than that, I think there's, there's definitely a room to improve back there. Yeah. I mean, there's room to improve for sure, but you know, in this league, I think when you've got the attacking pieces and you've got the, the, you know, the ability to strike that, that Jesus Ferrer has shown this year, that Paul Ariel has shown this year, that Alan Velasco has shown this year. I think they're just never, they're never really out of a match. They might, yeah. you know, they might, fall flat for too long in matches, which I think is what's been kind of happening. And they don't really have a ton of pieces that they can really bring in and rely on off the bench, which I think is an issue. But the the name of the game in this league is making the playoffs. And if I, I think if they can get there, to me, the highest level that I've seen from FC Dallas in some of these moments against Austin, to me, again, has been some of the most impressive soccer um, you know, that I, I've seen this, this year covering you know, being at every Austin FC match home and away. And, you know, I've seen pretty much the whole Western Conference at this point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just that their strengths line up well against Austin FC's weaknesses. Maybe it's that, um, you know, Estevez knows sort of how to, to poke at Josh Wolf's system. But I really, I, I come away, I came away from both of these Austin against Dallas matches thinking, wow. Like SD Dallas has gotten so much better year, year, year over year. And they've also got these young pieces that they can build around. I'm really impressed with what, with what they've got. Um, now it's just like a matter of can they get through this, this wall in the summer and, you know, get to a strong playoff position by, by the end. And, you know, like I said, I really, I really would love to see Austin against Dallas in the playoffs because, you know, first of all, Austin still hasn't beaten Dallas. I think that's the sort of their Achilles heel. It's a great narrative. And it's also like fun to talk to the, the players about just like this, 
this lingering thing that they still haven't been able to, to pull off in, in five tries now. Uh, so that's that's bragging rights that Dallas still has. And then you had uh, you know Austin FC celebrating in the Toyota Stadium parking lot uh, with the, with the Copa Teos. So so I think there's bad blood on both sides of this thing. Yeah, I want to hear this story. So okay, so what what's going on with the with the with the trophy? Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of weird. I think honestly, I, I don't want to you know, discredit or, you know, throw too much shade at, at FC Dallas. I think this was agreed on, you know, between, you know, the club and the supporters and the security staff beforehand that, you know, if the road team was going to win Copa Tejas, uh, that they weren't going to, you know, be able to celebrate on the field. I'm not sure exactly the reasons for that. If it was a safety thing, if it was just like an optics thing, but it was agreed on beforehand. It just didn't really get to the players, right? So you have the players who are waiting on the field for their trophy just kind of like doing the worm, you know, break dancing, you know, just kind of and enjoying the moment with the supporters. So that was kind of cool. But then eventually it was like 20 minutes and they were like, okay, where's our trophy? And so <laughs> they were getting sort of, sort of a little peeved. And then uh, they sort of got the word that they would need to head the other direction, go toward the locker room. So I was sort of witnessing this all from the, the concourse of the stands, taking a few videos and, and whatnot. And so I followed the players thinking, okay, I'll just go, you know, the back way through the tunnel and figure out, you know, where they're headed and I'll just follow them. But by the time I figured out how to get my way around there, because security didn't want me coming through the door, uh, the players were coming back at me through the elevator. They had just gone through. I Clearly, they had just been celebrating. And I was like, oh, dang, I missed the whole moment. But I've kind of pieced things together since then. Basically, uh, the players were told, go out toward the bus, and that's where the trophy's going to be presented. So you had this this trophy presentation and lifting that kind of happened out in the, the Toyota stadium parking lot. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Alex ring is apparently yelling at a security guard. There's, you know, and, and then, so when he came back in and afterward, uh, the tweet that kind of went viral from this was, was, uh, Alex ring talking in the press conference was asked about lifting the trophy in the, the in the uh, parking lot. He said it was, uh, the exact quote was, it's, it's embarrassing for, for FC Dallas. It, you know, if they didn't want us to, to lift the trophy, they, they should have won. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously some, some folks from Austin, uh, really enjoyed the, the captain <laughs> sticking up, sticking up for him there. But I'm not sure if there's really too much to be embarrassed about if you're FC Dallas. I, I would like to see though that, that policy get, get, uh, to, you know, get figured out before next year. Cause I think, to have this be a legitimate trophy, I think there should be a legitimate presentation. Yeah. I think the, from what I read, the thinking behind that was that there are a lot of stadiums that as soon as the opposing, as soon as the match is over, the opposing fans are ushered out quickly. Sure. And so they didn't want to, because especially like with the Houston fans uh, at FC Dallas, there's always, always an issue with the Houston fans. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, 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 if it were FC Dallas versus Houston and Houston were to win, like FC Dallas or the Houston fans just get taken out because of, of the stadium because otherwise there's there's problems. So I think it's something to but do just, with that, some like some safety things. Yeah, for the but thinking fans, about but, it from the players' perspective, the last thing you want is setting the players out into the parking lot to be involved oh, absolutely. in a situation yeah, like that's that. Weird. So that that's that's the part that I just don't understand. Wait, yeah, I don't see I how that's more safe. safe. Yes, exactly. So like for that's who? the part that that, you know, you don't really, you, you don't really want, you know, imagine if, thank God there wasn't, you know, too much involvement from the, the Dallas fans, you know, and trying to, to, to stir things up. It didn't sound like there was any of that going on, but, but uh, just the fact that Alex Ring was involved with uh, 
you know, and getting involved with a security guard who was trying to to move supporters one direction or another. That just doesn't seem like an ideal situation. No, right? for sure. So, so, so hopefully they get that all figured out and we're able to to move past it. And, and Copa Teos, I think, has been it's been a great right I, to me. It's been it's one been a nice nice storyline to follow, and it's 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 really mattered at least on the Austin side. I don't know if you can speak, Dustin, to how much the FC Dallas fans enjoyed having it for the past year, but to me, it's a, it's a meaningful trophy. Yeah, uh, it's definitely brought something. Clubs. Definitely brought something fun, new, uh, and. And like you said, something else to fight for, even if you're not fighting for the playoffs, even if you're not fighting like last year, all three Texas teams yeah. were pretty terrible. Uh, <laughs> it was about the only thing. It was about the only thing to play, yeah. play for. And I, I, I compared it. I don't know if any listeners ever played in the uh, Gus Knacker basketball tournament. So it was like a street a three on three tournament that like traveled around the Midwest. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they had this thing called the toilet bowl, where if your team lost enough games that you would be able to play on center court for the toilet bowl. And to me last year, Copa Teos sort of felt like the toilet bowl, but now, uh, you know, all three teams are, are looking a lot better and it felt like a legitimate competition and a nice stepping stone for whoever's going to make the playoffs and make a run. Yep. Well, not the ending that FC Dallas would have liked for as far as the trophy goes, but still, like you said, uh, unbeaten against Austin FC over five tries. Um, FC Dallas goes again, on Saturday against RSL in our, in Salt Lake. Um, and, you know, one thing that we – I don't think we're going to get a chance to touch on here, but we, I did get some quotes from Matt Hedges on and some of the other players is, is just the heat and how that's affecting um, – affecting the team affecting the bodies of the players and stuff uh so watch watch our twitter for some quotes i'll, I'll put out a couple of quote videos um on, on there so so take a look there and and uh for extended coverage um but yeah there you go <laughs> all right uh if you like what you hear here you can uh check out chris bills what chris what's your uh twitter handle yeah i'm at, at chris bills at chrsbils one l is the, the trick there but Ooh, uh, tricky. of course you can of course, you can find us uh, on thestriker.com and uh, at the Striker News on, on Twitter. We're, we've obviously expanded our coverage beyond Texas, covering uh, Southern California and Atlanta, but uh, still the coverage that you've come to expect. John Arnold, Victor Ariza, Jonathan Check's been filling out in while uh, John Arnold's been on his honeymoon, but we're excited to get him back for this uh, Salt Lake match and to get you know his expert coverage of, of FC Dallas. And of course, Dustin, we've appreciated you having you back in the fold as well. Um, and so, you know, it's really fun to see all of the, all of the coverage and all the things that we're doing over at striker.com. So the best way you can support us as always is subscribe. Um, but uh, let a friend know too. Yep. Uh, that's what we always tell our, our listeners. Like we don't get paid for this. If you want to, you know, give us, give us something, tell your friend about our podcast. So, uh, you know, all right. Uh, and the, the, the Atlanta thing is new uh, as of this week. So that was exciting as well. Um, yeah, J Sam Jones, who you might know from, uh, the power rankings on MLS soccer and, uh, various other things, a great personality to add to the, add to the mix. I'm hoping I'm excited to maybe get his voice on some, some podcasts soon. So anyway, awesome. yeah, I'm really excited to, to, to have everybody on board and, and keep an eye out because we might have some more developments, you know, as the year and, and you know, the years roll on uh, with teaser. the striker, it's going to be, 
it's going to be fun. All yeah. Right. Well, you can find our show on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show. Our website is DallasSoccerShow.com. Uh, we also are a part of thestriker.com as well, so you can find our stuff in both places. Um, much more stuff over at thestriker.com uh, than just our stuff. So um, that's probably a good place to start. Uh, for Chris Bills, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.